joining us today on episode number 158 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So you want to run further, you run, want to run and have it feel better. So you hear about running form and you think about maybe making some changes to running form, which naturally leads you to cadence, and which is the amount of steps per minute that you take. So how much does cadence really matter? We're going to talk about all of that today. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So we get asked these questions all the time. How can I improve my running? What can I do to get faster? How can I run longer without feeling so exhausted and hurting so much? They've tried things in the past that haven't worked, they've downloaded the training plans, they've used the apps, they've joined running groups, but they still don't have the results they're looking for. They still find themselves in a cycle of injury or pain, hitting plateaus and not progressing in the way that they want, or feeling limited in some way, not able to achieve their goals or even know where to start. The secret that many people don't know is that running is about more than just running. Oh yeah. Many runners think that to be a better runner, they just have to run more. They have to increase their mileage, push harder, and train more. But the truth is, running is actually just a part of that puzzle and that equation. Which brings us to our next truth. In order to run faster and run longer and get stronger and avoid injury, you must train in three main areas. Your mind, your body, and your running skills. This is what we will be teaching you in our new and improved five-day running challenge, kicking off on September 21st. Even if you've joined one of our challenges before, you will still benefit from this training because we focus on different things and make improvements every time we run it. We'll be teaching you what to focus on in each area, why all three are critical to your success, and how they can help you to massively improve your running journey. We will also be giving you action steps each day to learn how to actually incorporate them into your training. In our five-day running challenge, we'll answer questions like, how can I speed up my pace? How do I avoid injuries? Why am I constantly injured? Will I ever get faster and stop hurting? How do I keep motivated and learn different ways of improving my runs without just getting bored of just plodding along? We want to help you to figure all of this out. So we invite you to join us for our free five-day running challenge starting next week, where we will help you to truly understand how to train your mind, your body, and your running skills for success, and how it all fits together into the bigger picture of your running journey. In this free challenge, we will be covering why you aren't seeing the results that you want now, how training the mind, body, and skills can help you improve, what you can start to do right now to feel better when you go running, and how you can transform your running and achieve your goals. Each day you get one quick video, one or two items to put into action to start to transform your running. So are you up for it? Our free five-day running challenge starts on Monday, September 21st. We hope you will join us. Come and figure out how to literally transform your running life. Head over to 5dayrunningchallenge.com to sign up today. Now on to the episode. Okay, so this is definitely a question that we get from a lot of runners um, when they come to us and they're like, you know what, I'm really wondering 
how I can improve my running form. I feel like a lot of runners, when they kind of get into it and they start to try to, you know, start to do more, start to run longer, run faster, they start to think about their running form and they want to make changes. Everybody wants to change their running form. Well, a lot of people that get into running, they look at at other runners, quote unquote, actual runners, when, you know, people are newbies and they put themselves as not an actual runner. Yeah, which isn't true. They see that person gliding down the street. They look so super graceful. They're like, oh. Like you. I need to look like that. Yeah. I need to look like that when I go out and mm-hmm. run. Yeah, my running form was so awkward when I began. Was it? Oh, arms were flailing all over the place. I couldn't hold my head still. It just bobbed back and forth <laughs> from side to side. Very awkward looking runner. Right. So a lot of people think that they need to change their running form. So we want to address all of that today, specifically about cadence, because there's been a lot of talk in the running world and running research about cadence which is the number of steps per minute and whether or not that actually makes a difference whether or not that this is something that you need to be paying attention to that you should change Um, and we're going to get into all of that today so let's start off with just the idea that running is a skill because not everyone necessarily thinks of running this way people think okay well running's really easy like i'll just put some shoes on and head out the door and i'll go for a run right and and to an extent, it is a remarkably easy activity. Like, yeah. it's a fairly natural activity, but it's still a skill that you can actually get better at. Like, mm-hmm. you have to accept that running is a skill, running is a sport. If you were going to play any other sport, you would practice the individual skills within that mm-hmm. so that you can get better at them. Like, yeah, it's possible that you could pick up a ball and throw it, but if you refined how you did it, you could start throwing the ball and look more like a, a baseball pitcher mm-hmm. in how you throw the ball. You could throw throw it faster you could throw it farther you could throw it in a way that doesn't hurt your shoulder as you throw it right you could work on things and improve your form you can do the same thing with running like just because it's running and like babies can run that doesn't mean they're doing it correctly right And, and I think that's really important because I don't know if all recreational runners really do think about that you know I don't know if all coaches think about that you mean like well I mean coaches for I think they do, wouldn't you say? It's the pendulum swings back and forth. For a while, coaches were really on board about form really matters. Mm -hmm. And then coaches started swinging the other direction. They're like, yeah, people have a natural form. And if you mess with it, it it slows them down. They get inefficient. They start getting hurt. And then it swings back the other direction. Like, no, no, no. If you key in on their form, that's the key to making them faster. Yeah. When you say coaches, like what level are you talking about? All sorts of levels. levels. All sorts of levels. Anywhere from like high school, middle school. Yeah. There are people that... Really, there are coaches that focus on form, and there are mm-hmm. coaches that think that form is a thing that just sort of gradually will improve itself and be more efficient as runners run more. And that's true to an extent, you know. And, to an and, extent. And, and you know, I think that it's it's interesting that you point out running coaches because that's obviously your background. But like in the physical therapy world, it, 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 the same thing is true. You know, there's been a lot of research done on running gait and running form, and of course the whole shoe thing and the pendulum also, you know, swings one way or the other in physical therapy. You know, as a physical therapist, everybody wants to do, you know, running gait analysis. Like this is a big thing in the physical therapy and running world, Oh, yeah, get yourself a treadmill and a slow motion camera. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, (laughs) here's the thing. As a PT, business-wise, it's a fantastic idea. You know, like, let me analyze your gait and I'll charge you X amount of dollars for it. You know, like, and then, but based on the research... There are su- there's some research that says, yes, you know, like there are certain forms that are more efficient and less 
prone to injury versus others. And then the research, like you said, the pendulum kind of swings and, and says, well, we shouldn't really mess too much with people's form. And it's not really the heel strike that matters as much. It's this other thing. And, you know, so they're constantly pointing to different things about form or about, you know, what is the most problematic. And there's a, there's something to be said about just having your natural running form. Right. Like when babies learn to walk, it's not because the parents stood there and carefully explained logically step-by-step step what the process is in order to walk. Mm-hmm. Like the baby kept pulling up on furniture and gradually was like, oh, I want that toy on the other side of the room. And they started going for it and they fell a few times, but eventually they managed to take a few steps. Mm-hmm. And then they realized that if they start kind of pointing their toes a little bit more forward, they can actually go faster and they stop falling over all the time. And mm-hmm. their form naturally improves. Right. The problem is is that in the world that we live in, we move away from that natural aspect. Like, we don't walk around barefoot on soft surfaces all the time. If we did, I think we would walk better. I think we would have better posture all the time. And we would have more naturally better running form. Mm-hmm. But instead, we walk around on concrete wearing shoes. Right, right. And, th- and that definitely makes a really, really big difference in how we show up in running. And that's a lot of what the research and the literature is showing, you know, in physical therapy and orthopedic and those kinds of things is the the differences between like minimalistic shoes and maximalist you know maximum shoes maximalist shoes yeah and um you know the way that that affects your running gait the way that affects the forces that are placed on the body which tissues are more stressed when you have one versus the other versus like a quote-unquote traditional running shoe you know that has stability added to the arch like there's all these different things that affect it and like you said how like what does our real gait actually look like you know like it's been so um, changed throughout the years because of the things that we're putting on our feet, you know, which is what led to the big barefoot movement like a decade ago. Right, because you you kind of, in the barefoot movement, it was the idea that you want to actually use the muscles in your feet mm-hmm. the way they were designed to be used, right. which was great. I, I mean, when this thing started going, it was far enough back, I, th- I feel like it was more than a decade because I'm pretty sure I was still actually selling shoes at the time. Okay. And people would come in and they'd be like, I've, I want to do the barefoot thing, but it hurts my feet so much. Yeah, I want to say it was probably like 2004-ish, so probably more like 15 years. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, I, I feel like I should be, you know, doing the barefoot so that I, I strengthen my feet and I, I feel stronger. But I tried it and I couldn't even move the next day. Yeah. And we'd ask them, like, well, what was your shoe? And they'd name some, like, you know, very popular stability shoe. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, what did you move to? And it's, you know... The lightweight, almost nothing underneath your feet. The five fingers. Yeah, the five fingers. The Vibram was super yeah. popular at the time. Like, okay, well, what did you do for your first run? Oh, I just went in and got like six miles. Yeah. On sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's a good thing you didn't actually just end up in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> like, good thing you didn't break your foot along yeah. the way. Like, that was not how it was designed. Because mm-hmm. the problem is... Being in the shoes, like your work shoes, the cushion running shoes, just having shoes on your feet all the time means that the stability muscles and the muscles inside your feet, they've gradually decided that they don't need to work anymore. Right. And and so that's kind of the issue is that like if if – if this is you, you know, if, if you find yourself wanting to transition to a more minimalistic shoe, um, are we talking about that today? I don't think we're really 
bringing that up much today. No, no, this so, is a good spot so this, for it. Let's just go ahead and like if if that's you, if you feel like you need to kind of transition into a more minimalist shoe, please do it gradually. Okay, that's the best advice that we can give you. Mm-hmm. You know, without actually seeing you and your foot and how you run and all that good stuff is like if you feel like this is a thing you want to do, please do so gradually. Like you, you have to break it in. Like you have to just do a little bit at a time. Don't go out like Kevin said for a five or six mile run the first time you ever do it. It's the same way of like, well, I've never run trails before. How should I get into it? By running on dirt. A trail half marathon? Like Possibly. Yeah. Like (laughs) technical trails with extensive amount of rocks. Ones that you need the poles to actually go. (laughs) No, you should like practice. Like if you've been always running on sidewalk, move to like the the fire roads where you're running on just like hard packed dirt. Yeah. Like something where it's it's a natural surface underneath you, but it's still smooth and even. And then gradually transition yourself. When we were up in Georgia and we were like hiking in the mountains, like some of the trails that we chose were labeled as running trails and I was on those trails and I'm like seriously people run on these I mean this is obviously coming from us who like live in flatland Florida flatter than flat you know and pretty much always run on concrete but um or asphalt but I was like I cannot believe that people run up these hills or and down these hills. Like, and the paths were like narrow and there was all sorts of branches. And all I wanted to do was take my backpack off and just start running. Yeah. Like, cause it just, it reminded me of high school because mm. those were the trails that we just used to go run on. Did you have trails like that narrow and technical? Yeah. yeah. You did? Yeah. There was, there were some parks that we would go to that that was the kind of stuff. Wow. There was a couple races that we would get to that it was basically a sprint to the bottom of the hill because then it was single trail track uphill for a third of a mile you weren't passing anybody if the kid in front of you decides whoo i'm spent i'm going to start walking you were stuck behind the kid walking can't go around him you were stuck oh that's terrible (laughs) that's terrible so so here's the thing so running is a skill right even though it is a very natural thing we learn it at a very early age we figure it out we refine it it is a skill that can be improved and we have to be able to understand that like the running form that we have right now is not necessarily the running form that you're just stuck with. Like if you do things like athletes to actually practice your form, to try to improve it, it will improve. It won't just magically improve on its own. Like it will to an extent, I think, you know, a little bit, like you said, the more you run, especially as you start to run longer distances, your, your body can basically go one of two ways. A, it gets injured because your form is inefficient and it ends up leading to injury or B, it kind of adapts and becomes more efficient and becomes better and and adapts to the load that you're placing on. Right. So if you really slowly, slowly increase mileage, your body will just keep adapting to have more and more efficiency. Mm -hmm. But most people don't increase their mileage that slowly. They want to get to a higher mileage. And so Mm -hmm. they go there and if their form's a little wonky, they're going to break themselves. But you always get people that are like, no, this is my form. It doesn't really matter. I've tried changing it before and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I am a heel striker and I I cannot stop being a heel striker. Want to stop being a heel striker? Take your shoe off and try and run down the sidewalk. Oh, yeah. That, that does not feel good. You are no longer a heel striker. Right. Within about three steps, you will either stop running or you'll realize that you can run without your heel slamming into the ground mm-hmm. real quickly. Right. So here's the thing. like You have to first accept that you can train to be better, that you can improve your skills as a runner, that you can improve your form if you actually 
really want to be able to do it because just because you can run doesn't mean that you're actually maximizing your ability to do so unless you're actually practicing skills to make it better. Right. And part of this thing, and I think one of the reasons why people are um, a little bit limited in, in wanting to change their running form, people get into this mindset of running should be uncomfortable. Mm. Like running should hurt. Like if I'm really pushing myself, I should be sore and uncomfortable the next day. So if they're sore and uncomfortable because running form is a little screwy, mm-hmm. They're like, well, you know, I'm just sore because I ran yesterday. What if you didn't have to be that sore? Yeah. Like, what if on an easy run, it just felt almost invigorating? Like, you almost felt energized by the end of it instead of like, oh, man, I just felt like I was fighting my body the entire time. You shouldn't feel like you're fighting your body if your form is smooth and efficient. And there are ways to work on it. There are things that you can key in on that help you actually smooth out that running form rather than just hoping that it will change. There are skills that you can actually practice. Right. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about one of the main skills that you can practice today, which is cadence. Because if, if you you know, have ever really paid attention to your running form, you have you should kind of have an idea of how you run. Um, some people, when you watch them, they, they tend to shuffle, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're shuffling along. They don't really pick up their feet. They take these quick little steps. Um, and then other people are more like plotters, right? They're, they take like more like long loping steps. So they're, they definitely take less steps per minute than like the shuffling, but they, they seem to like land very hard every time too. Yeah. As you say, there's two people, there are plotters and you can hear them coming. Like yeah. they thump when they hit the ground, but there's other people who also have very slow cadence they almost leap. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about this before that running literally is leaping from one foot to the next, but these people really leap. Like it's almost like they're just kind of bounding. You shouldn't look like you're doing the the long jump when you're running. Your head should not go extensively up and down. Your head should be relatively level. So if you keep popping up and down, you know, if you look at the horizon in front of you as you run and you're almost getting seasick with your own running because you're bouncing (laughs) up and down so much, you're you're jumping too much. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about cadence. Okay. Cadence is something that a lot of people have heard about. Some people maybe have not heard about cadence. So what is cadence? Cadence is basically how many steps you take per minute. Okay, so this is a very simple thing for you to figure out. And that's actually our challenge of the week later on in the episode. At the end of the episode, make sure you stay tuned for our challenge of the week to help you kind of get an idea of what your cadence is and how you can improve it, right? So cadence basically is the number of steps that you take per minute. So there's a couple ways that you can figure this out. Number one, you can time yourself for a minute and you can count how many steps you take. Or you can you can count just one foot. So like I'm just gonna every I'm gonna run for a minute and I'm just going to count the number of times that my right foot hits the ground and then you multiply by two. Yeah. I don't like that one myself. No? I, I like to do both sides. You I just count. Like, you like to go one, two, three, four? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can't keep up with I mean, I can. I could do it for a minute. It's annoying to okay. count quickly for a whole minute yeah. um, and get yourself up to a pretty high number. But um, I like to do it for like 20 seconds. And I'll take a little break. I'll do it for another 20 seconds, mm-hmm. do it for another 20 seconds, kind of average them out, mm-hmm. see how it all works out. Um, and then multiply it by three. Yeah, sure. 
but when if I only count the right leg, I feel like my form gets funky. I feel I, like I'm I'm slamming my right foot into the ground. Like yeah, one one and two and like yeah, like, I've noticed that too. <laughs> like it, it's interesting, like counting the the right versus the left too. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm if I actually am, but it feels like yeah. I am. <laughs> right. So so why does cadence matter? Well, cadence times your stride length, which is the amount of ground that you cover with every step, right? How long your step is equals your speed. Right. So if you want to go faster, you either improve your cadence and improves kind of the wrong word. Increase. You increase your cadence or you increase your stride length right. and you go faster. And that sounds really remarkably simple. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I just need to take faster steps or I need to take longer steps and boom, 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 off right. I go. Yep. That leads to a couple of problems. It leads to shuffling or it leads to people that are just trying to do the long jump with everything, every mm-hmm. single step. And neither of those are an efficient way of running. Right. And if you're not sure if you're a shuffler, ask any running friend you have. They will let you know because they can hear you coming. You're the person who scuffs on every single step you take. Mm-hmm. Like if you hear yourself running, like take the headphone out, take one of them out for safety, and you, know, you can listen to us with the other side. But if you can, st- if you can hear your feet, and it's not just like the sound of a foot landing; it's the fa- sound of a foot like scraping along the ground. You shuffle, right. and you can improve your form with with seals and focus on the cadence. Right, and if you're the opposite, if you're more of like a plotter that you tend to take bigger steps, then you are more prone to overstriding, which is definitely a negative thing when it comes to injury risk. Like overstriding is one of the things that has been found to definitely increase your risk of injury. So you don't want to find yourself in that camp either. So actually pay attention to how your foot is hitting the ground. That's step one. Like, are you shuffling? Are you striding? Do you hear yourself? Like, are you thudding? Like, are, are you scuffing? Are you thudding? Like, I was running with our team last week, and we've got a lot of freshmen on the team. And I'm running along with them, and I'm like, do you guys hear me running? Do you guys hear, do you guys hear my feet? And they're like, no. And I was like, do you hear yours? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay, try to make yours sound more like mine. Because, like, you were landing so hard. Like, they were just out there plotting. Like, they were landing so hard with every step. They're like, my knees hurt. I'm like, of course they do. You know, like, you're marching just really quickly. Well, and they're like pounding their feet into the ground. It's like, you know, have some muscle control, hold yourself more upright and control your legs a little bit more and you're going to feel better. Right. And so then you get some other people that are like, they start off with the plotting form that hurts their knees. And so they flip and they go to a shuffling form Mm -hmm. and then they can't figure out why their hips are constantly in pain. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, both of them have awkward braking motions. The overstriding, you end up landing hard on your heel in front of you and heel striking has got its own issues. But the bigger issue is if that leg lands all the way out in front of you with a locked knee that's just going to send jarring forces all the way up through your body mm-hmm. and with the newer runners especially our younger kids that tends to zing the knees but and the shins it, and the shins a lot yeah. but it can really hit anywhere from shins to knees to hips to lower back mm-hmm. because it's just this massive breaking form with every single step so you figure that you're getting what a thousand steps a mile at least somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 steps per mile, mm-hmm. and you get this jarring breaking force with every single step. I think I'm more like 1,800, like I, when I was looking at mine. Okay, yeah. so... It depends s- on how fast you're running. Depends on how fast yeah. you're running, somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 steps per mile. Mm-hmm. And if you go out for five miles, suddenly you're 5,000 to 10,000 jarring, painful right. steps. 
it adds up. It, it adds, adds up, up real quick. Right. So if you've ever heard about cadence, you probably have heard of the magic number of 180. Woo, 180. 180. It's the cure-all. The end of the episode. Nailed it. <laughs> so if you want to fix your cadence, just run at 180 steps per minute and all will be well. All will be. It's a magic panacea. Mm-hmm. Ooh, panacea. I was going to type it into the outline, but then I thought you would steal my word, so I didn't. <laughs> You never know. Sometimes I do like to steal your quotes. So, okay, what is 180? Why why did this number come into existence? Does it actually matter? Is this the magic number? No. But kind of. Yes. I mean, it's true. Okay, right? So when this first came out, there was... Go the ahead. beginning. beginning right. of this, Jack Daniels actually came okay. up with this thing. So you, you know more about Jack okay. than I do. I think it actually preceded him, but he was one of the first ones that really brought it to light. And he didn't do like a, a detailed study on it. He was literally at the Olympics and watching high-level runners in all sorts of distance races and noticed that they were all running at roughly the same cadence. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can watch this. Like... Olympic level marathoners, Olympic level 5K runners, when that pack is all going, it's so they're beautiful. all in stride I with know. each other. It's so beautiful. It looks like this like little magic dance going on. And they're all basically running the exact same cadence. Every once in a while you get like one person that's slightly off, but they're always slightly off. Mm. And so he then started counting and he realized that they were all basically running somewhere right around 180 steps per minute, mm. whether it was the 5K, 10K marathon, that that was the number. And so he came out, he, you know, he's got books out. It's Jack Daniels methods of training. Like it's the Daniels training method and it came up in there. And so because he was this guru of training, people are like, oh, well, 180 is the magic thing. And then there've been a lot of studies and a lot more. It's, it's sort of anecdotal that there's very successful runners that all run around 180 steps per minute. I mean, it is, it started out anecdotal, but now they've done scientific research on it okay so one of the big studies that people like to go is they wanted to prove and they were like okay it's gonna change a little bit with pace or maybe it changes as you get more tired because they thought this was a thing like as you get more tired your stride naturally shortens and so you're going to increase your cadence Mm -hmm. so that you don't slow down that's not what happens. People just maintain their cadence. It's just that they slow down towards the end. Mm-hmm. So to really do this, they took elite ultra marathoners. Okay, the guy who did the study was actually in the race himself, and they put all sorts of like chips and measurement things all over them, <laughs> and they basically timed these some of the best ultra marathoners in the world over I think it was a hundred k race that they were running, and super convenient because it was ten laps of a ten k loop. So they were keeping track of their cadence the entire way through, and they also were keeping track of their pace on every single 10K loop. And it turns out that at the end of it, I think it was a group of like roughly 20 people, and the average cadence for the entire group was 180. Well, look at that. There was an issue with the study. The guy who was putting it out there, he put it out, and everybody came to it, and they're like, look, you concluded that it was 180. That's the magic number. And he goes, that wasn't the point of my study. Look at who won the race. And the guy who won the race had a cadence of 200. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and look at who got second. And the guy had a cadence of 160. That's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> and they finished first and second in the race. Mm-hmm. 
But that that 40 steps per minute is a really big difference. The funny thing is that they averaged out to 180, though. Right. And so everybody made a big deal that this study says 180 is the magic number, but it turns out that the variance from top to bottom was all over the place, and people were still the most successful ultra-endurance athletes. So these are the people who have run more miles than anybody else, so they theoretically should have gotten to the most efficient running form possible for them. Mm-hmm. And the one guy was at 160 and the other guy was at 200. Right. So how is 180 the magic number? Well, and this is why this takes us back to what we were saying originally with running form is individual. And like, is it the best idea to change everyone's running form? It not not in all cases. It's not, if, if there's no problems, like if you're not having pain, if you're not having any sort of like issues going on and you're just running and not having a problem, there's really no reason to change your running form. Jackpot. Nailed it. Right. I mean, like as long as you're not having pain, injuries, recurrent, you know, overuse, chronic, repetitive types of stuff going on, and you're just out there running and you can increase mileage and everything is good and golden, like, you really don't have a reason to change your running form. There's really no point. No, you don't. Yeah. Like, you can kind of continue focusing on the strength so that as you increase mileage that any sort of weaknesses don't show up and you can maintain your good, strong running Mm -hmm. form. Even if there's slight issues with it, there's slight issues that your body has probably figured out a way to compensate for. Mm -hmm. Like, does your left arm move slightly different than your right arm? I bet your right leg moves slightly differently to balance it out. And so trying to change it is going to end up having repercussions. Right. You really should only start to look at changing your running form if you're having problems. Like if you are trying to increase your distance and those aches and pains are starting to come up or you're trying to run faster and those aches and pains are coming up and they're not really correcting themselves with more time or strength training or mobility work or those kinds of things, then okay, maybe you look at your form and say, is there, are there small tweaks? Okay. Like don't go like an overhaul, like, but are there small (laughs) tweaks that I can make to my running form to maybe improve this efficiency of it? Maybe improve the way that I'm holding my body so that things start to feel better. Yes. And I mean, there are so many aspects to running form that you can change. Oh yeah. Today we're going to talk about, stick with cadence, but um, even within the world of cadence, when we talk about like how you can start trying to mess with it, there are different ways of doing it. And a lot of people, they think I need to run faster and they just automatically move to this shuffling Mm -hmm. form. And that's, that's not a good fix. Right. So you got to make sure that you change one for a good reason Mm -hmm. and two in a actual effective manner. Right. So let's go back to this magic number of 180. So like Kevin said, the results have kind of been different, you know, based on what study. I'm I'm not sure sure exactly what word I'm going for here, but, you know, the studies have been somewhat inconclusive of whether or not 180 is a magic number. And basically what a lot of the newer research is showing is, is that it's not specifically that number that matters, but it's the type of running gait and the type of running form that shows up when you are around that number, okay? So when research are researchers are taking a look at what causes the most um, likelihood, the higher likelihood for injury, for running injury, right? There's something called ground reaction force. And basically what this means, we talked about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. With calves? Yeah, I think it was calves. Yeah. Was, oh, that was just last week. That was last week. So last week's episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to the calf strengthening episode. It's a great one. 
But we talked about something called ground reaction force. So basically that means every time your foot hits the ground, the ground pushes back on your foot. That's why your foot doesn't just go crashing through the sidewalk or the surface of wherever you're, you're running, okay? So the ground reaction force is that force that's then exerted up through your foot and your leg and the rest of your body. So what happens is, people that have a tendency to overstride and heel strike, right? That that increases the the ground reaction force on the body. Right. And so what they've found with the research is that's what the problem is. That's what leads to more running injuries is that breaking force. Like Kevin like you were talking about earlier is like if you land with your foot way out in front with your you know landing on your heel with your knee straight way out in front of you you're essentially putting on the brakes with every single step and just jolting forces up through your body whereas if you land with that foot more underneath you with your knee slightly bent you're cushioning that force like your muscles your joints everything's just kind of cushioning and absorbing that force more so it's less of that like jarring force on the body And I mean, it kind of goes back to, again, what we were saying last week, but if you have the jarring force, it ends up being a lot of wasted energy that essentially just goes into your body and then gets dissipated, usually in, unfortunately, the jarring of bones. Mm -hmm. If you land softly underneath you, you said you absorb the energy. And you do. You absorb the energy and then you can actually reuse that energy and take off on your next stride without exerting any of your own body energy. You literally use the potential that you gained by landing and your body works like a rubber band that, or in any sort of spring that essentially stores the energy and then pops back out and uses that energy to propel your next step. Mm-hmm. This is how, I mean, years ago they were able to make very, very simple robots that could walk downstairs you can make them walk downstairs with no motor at all because it's a natural thing. If you give it the slightest push at the top, it will continue to walk down a slope, downstairs. It can maintain that motion as long as it gets the spring back effect. So, Just like the slinky. Like the slinky. It wants to go down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that 180 is this magic number, but it's the form that you take when you're running around that cadence that, you know, when you're around 180, you have that tendency to land with your foot more underneath you in a more favorable running form where you can take that energy, you can absorb those forces, you can use them. So your injury risk does tend to decrease the closer you are to 180. Yes. And there are people who have much higher cadence and much lower cadence, Mm -hmm. and yet their form has somehow worked itself out that they're landing in an efficient form where they have a a good rhythm of of landing and takeoff they're not plotting long they're not shuffling they're not overstriding and yet their cadence still is it's a bit of an outlier Mm -hmm. but their running form is not an outlier right and so the thing is like it can like if you have a form or a cadence other than 180 like kevin said your running form could be totally on point and you could be good to go so why is cadence important then well it's because it's the easiest way to start to make some of those adjustments, right? So instead of saying, okay, I want you to now, instead of landing on your heel, start to land more on your midfoot or on your forefoot. Like there's a lot more that goes into that versus let's just count the number of steps per minute and try to get closer to 180. Like it's just an easier adjustment to make. And when we start to make that adjustment, we just see more natural 
improvements in running form. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. It's it's something concrete to think about rather than try and think about all of the different aspects of how your foot moves and lands through the entire running motion, which gets a little complicated. Well, and it's hard to know if you are overstriding, right? Because yes. like, especially if you're just out there running and nobody's running with you or you're not filming yourself, like, am I landing with my foot out in front of me? Because it's not like you're it's not so drastic in most people that you can really tell. Like you, you can kind <laughs> of tell, like if, if you have somebody, I can tell every single person in our neighborhood as I drive around and I, I pass runners in the comments, overstrider, shuffler, <laughs> plotter, that one leaps good form over there. Yeah. That one's left arm flares out. Like yeah. I've got them all Yeah, because you're a coach. <laughs> so you're just like, it's so natural for you to like look specifically at people's form. I know. And I, I really, I sometimes I have to hold myself back. There was somebody who was, I don't know, it was like a one of the satire articles online of like guy puts puts down his window and calls out to runner, like cat calls to the runner, mm-hmm. and also corrects running form at the same time. It's like, oh, so, so I I have to hold myself back from not just putting down the window and being like, you're leaning too far backwards. Just lean forward a little bit and it'll feel better. They're like, try picking up your cadence. You're plodding along. It's, mm-hmm. No one's going to appreciate that as I drive by. I don't think so. I mean, like, they might. Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Like, that maybe nobody's ever told them that before, right? But it's it's one of those things that, so it is kind of hard to judge yourself sometimes, but it's very easy for you to count your number of steps. Yes. So that's why cadence is such a, a great thing to start with because it's an easy thing for you to do regardless of, you know, any sort of equipment that you have. You don't need to film yourself. All you really need is a watch to to time yourself and then the ability to count quickly. (laughs) The ability to count quickly. (laughs) Really quite quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I tend to only count one foot. Yeah. But I mean, at 180 steps per minute, you're counting to three every second. Mm -hmm. So it, it moves pretty quick. It does move pretty quick. Okay. So that's really why cadence is so important. It's not a magic number per se, but the closer you are to 180, the better your running form more likely is. Yes. It's that it correlates to a a higher chance that the rest of your running form is smoothing itself out. Right. It's correlation versus causation. Yeah. And the the rest of the running form, then it kind of does go into the idea of, well, if you keep running more more running done at 180 steps per minute or somewhere in that ballpark. It's not that you have to be there. If, oh, shoot, I was at 178, so I really messed up that run. It's, right. I, those miles didn't even count. No, you're fine. Yeah. Um, it's it's a ballpark. My, my range is typically about 175 to 182. I've found that the more I've been running, I have my cadence typically is higher, like more like 182. Like, so I think like when I, cause I did have to change my form. Like I did change my cadence. I did change my form because when I started, I was a shuffler and I was a heel striker. So go figure. How did I get those two together? You can definitely shuffle <laughs> as a heel striker. It's why you made a lot of noise with every single step. I did step. make a lot of noise. I um, also had um, some pain up the front of my shin, like my tibialis anterior, which is like your shin muscle there. Like I was having major pain. I would have to wear like K-tape, you know, during mm-hmm. my first half marathon. I had to yep. wear K-tape during that whole training and the race. Yeah, I think I suggested that you should stop shuffling. Mm-hmm. But it takes time. Oh, it takes a long you time. You know, like it's not just like, oh, okay, Kevin said I should stop shuffling. So, so now I'm just going to magically run. Hooray, like, you fixed all of my ills. <laughs> like, you know, magic just, panacea. Magic panacea of a man. <laughs> <laughs> but like the thing is, like it's not easy to just fix just like that, right? No. 
so it does take practice it takes time it's going to feel awkward you should expect to be sore all of these things are true it's also it, it doesn't work very well just having somebody tell you every single day hey you're still shuffling. Mm-hmm. That's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to help your half marathon it's a training. It's frustrating. <laughs> if, if your uh, <laughs> loving partner at home's like, "Hey, saw you running today. Still shuffling." <laughs> <laughs> Super. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. All right. So, how do you improve your running form? How much should we think about our cadence? What should we do here? All right. So we kind of started this one already. Of the first thing that you should do is pay attention to how you land. Like your foot should land beneath you. And not out in front, not out in front of you. Like as you run, if you look down and you can literally see the foot make contact with the ground well in front of your body, you need to bring that back underneath you. And that alone is going to increase your cadence. Mm -hmm. Like just bringing the foot back underneath you. At first, you're going to be like, I can't run with my foot underneath me. I will fall over. No, you won't. You'll just naturally start running faster. Mm -hmm. Like you will. You will start running faster. And so then you're like, but if I run faster, I'm going to get tired much quicker. Okay, then you might need a walking break. Mm -hmm. But you're going to be running with smoother form the running portion is going to go faster and yes you might need walking breaks at first because your speed increases but in general with your foot landing underneath you you're going to be landing in your midfoot somewhere between the midfoot and forefoot rather than landing hard with the heel underneath you which is a much smoother and gentler way of landing right so you could either choose to think about where your foot is landing or you can choose to count your cadence again because like we said if you increase the number of steps you take per minute and try to get it close closer to that 180 number, your foot will naturally land more underneath you, okay? So just keep in mind that when you first try this, it's going to be super awkward. Like, And so this is, you know, again, wait until the end of the episode. We've got our challenge of the week for you. Um, But we want you to kind of notice first, like, how many steps per minute you take now and then try the 180, you know, and kind of feel how different they are compared to one another right all right so you're you're trying to improve so you think you don't spend your entire run focusing on how your foot oh lands. gosh no that's gonna or be exhausting the or the cadence so but you know as you run every once in a while check in and be like how's my foot landing also run tall okay and i think that uh, this one is a um a psychological this is a mental thing also i think a lot of people tend to shrink they bend over when they run and part of it is definitely a physical posture issue that their shoulders are getting tired or just the way that you sit in front of a computer all day all day long you're always hunched over and so then you go run and you're still hunched over but some people they feel like they're out there and they're not running very fast and do they even deserve to be out there and so they literally run while trying to hide themselves really Totally. Stop that. Just stand tall and be proud and go run. Okay. That's my take. There you go. All right. Next, let your leg move through its natural motion. Okay. Like understand that most of your leg motion is more of a reaction and it is pretty automatic. Like you really don't have to think about, okay, now I land and then I push off and then I bend my knee and then I bring my knee forward. Like most of us are not thinking like that when we're out on the run. Like understand that your your running should feel natural and automatic. Right. And there's, there's two things. And this is, it's part of the whole coaching form pendulum swinging back and forth is coaches that got into trying to fix form. were trying to come up with what is the appropriate cue to improve running cadence. And 
I mean, we're kind of, we've said it a few times. The answer is just take faster steps, but try not to shuffle. Mm -hmm. You have to balance those two things. So there were coaches that taught a couple of different things. One, pawing the ground. Yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that. It doesn't work, and it leads to poor running form. One of the biggest things is it leads to people overstriding because right before they land, runners will then reach their foot out even farther so they can feel like they're ripping the ground underneath them. It also leads to bad toe actions, too, because people are actually curling their toes to paw the ground which is not the way that your toes should be acting no because your big toe is supposed to lock you before you actually take your right. your step so i know i used to actually yell this to my runners because i was told this mm-hmm. by my coaches paw the ground rip through the ground rip through the ground it's terrible running for me. <laughs> It's, it's really bad. It's bad advice, but it was for a long time, very popular advice from distance runners to sprinters. It was incredibly popular coaching advice because that was supposedly the best way to increase running cadence was to tell runners to paw the ground. Mm-hmm. That was then determined not to be good. Right. So then people are like, okay, you got to drive your knee forward. Like after you take your step off and that foot's back behind you, really pull it back through also screws up your running form. You don't need to pull anything. When your foot goes back behind you, your hip works like a loaded spring. You've pulled your hip back behind you. It will naturally recoil and bring your foot out in front of you. Mm -hmm. Any effort used to pull that foot back in front of you is wasting energy. Your foot naturally does that. Mm -hmm. It will automatically do it. You do have to put no thought into that. Right. But I mean, some people do. Like we've got a freshman on our team right now that doesn't get the hip drive and the knee drive. and, And we're working on those like those little form corrections in different ways. Like we're not telling him to go out on a six mile run and focus on that, right? Like we do running drills and other things to try to naturally increase the hip mobility and the, you know, the body's springiness and all of that. And then that should naturally kind of carry over. And over a couple of weeks, suddenly he can actually lift his leg. Mm -hmm. I mean, marching high knees on day one, he couldn't actually get the knee up. Yeah he can do it now, which Mm -hmm. is remarkably productive. Well, and so much of it too is just the neural connection, like the brain to body connection. It's, it's sending that message and teaching the body that you need to move in a different way. Yes. So it's not so much the specific strength of the muscles. It's not like we just like strengthen his hip flexors in a couple of weeks to make sure that he can lift his leg. Like, no, we just sent a different message from his brain down to his body. And so much of like cadence and running form and all of those things are those messages from the brain down to the body to just move a little bit differently. Right, because running is remarkably natural. It's it's uh, it's the pathways. It's like you said, you need the brain-to-muscle connection. And if that connection is an overgrown path, it's not going to have very smooth form. So mm-hmm. doing drills and stuff to help you focus on rebuilding that path, paving the path, kind of get it, clearing some brush and then maybe even paving that path so that it's a clean shot from brain to muscle. Mm-hmm. Now suddenly your natural form is just going to be improved. Right, exactly. So basically, this that brings us to our challenge of the week, okay? So those of you that are a part of the tribe, thank you for posting your, your results from our calf race challenge of the week last week. And we've been doing several, you know, day, uh, weekly challenges with our, with our group and then over on social media and everything. So our challenge of the week is cadence, okay, obviously. So what we want you to do is we want you to just notice your current cadence. Before you try to adjust anything, don't try to go out and run 180 today. Just go out and say, okay, how many steps per minute am I taking on average? And like Kevin said, it's helpful to 
check it at multiple different spots in the run. Maybe yes. check it once in the first mile. Like if you're going out on a three-mile run, check it once in the first mile. Check it at some point during the second mile. Check it during the third mile. See if it's the same. See if it adjusts or if it changes. And just write your number down, okay? So check your cadence. And then if you're a part of the tribe, if you're a part, um, if you follow us on social media, find our post on Friday, which will be our, our um, challenge of the week post, and put your number in there and, and, and tell us what your current cadence is and don't lie and just put in 180 because yeah. it's you're not a magic unicorn well and if, if it is then fantastic but and if you want to lie about it then congratulations you won't get any better like you know i mean that that's really the the thing that you're looking at right like all of these tips and tricks are, are ways to make you a better runner so if you don't accurately assess yourself then you really don't have room for improvement so that's like whenever people find little spots of weaknesses like on our training team and stuff they're like oh my gosh I couldn't hold the side plank more than 20 seconds I was like hooray we've just found an area where you can get better we found an area for you to improve right because if everything's perfect and you can nail all of the assessment tests then what are you going to improve upon yep yeah, then then why aren't you also breaking two hours in the marathon? Right, exactly, right? It, it's good to have these areas of weaknesses because now we know where we need to target our improvement. So find out where you currently are. Don't don't measure your cadence in the opening couple of minutes, especially if you're like yes. an early morning runner. Like I, my, my fancy watch tells me my cadence continuously through the run and the graph rapidly rises over the first like three to four minutes as I actually wake up and slide into my normal running yeah. form. But once I'm about a half mile in, now I've, I've found a form and I can actually keep a normal cadence. Right. So if you do want to, you know, find that you need to adjust your cadence or you want to try to adjust your cadence, I would suggest music. Okay. That's how I did mine. Like I found, um, a website that would tell me the, um, beats per minute of certain songs. And it was pretty cool. Like we did this a long time time ago we would like play a song and I would just tap my finger you know along with the beat and it would give me the exact cadence so there are apps you can download I think Spotify has Spotify has hundreds of 180 tons playlists of now. playlists now right so I, I don't necessarily one... trust all of them some yeah. people can't count the beat of a song right like and, and, me. and like we said there's a range right like right. I, I went back and I looked at our 180 playlist and it had songs I, I think starting at like 174 to like 180 but because I could tell a difference when it was at like 170 172 like yep. it was just like it wasn't quick enough it's just not quite yeah. where it needed yeah, to be but like when you're at like 174 to 180 that's kind of a good range but like some of the playlists that I've looked at like had songs it was supposed to be a 180 playlist and it was down at like 165 yeah, that's you know 185 and i'm like that's not a 180 playlist the biggest issue with that is if you're just trying to run with the beat of those songs your cadence is not going to be continuous and mm-hmm. the goal is that your your cadence should be smooth throughout the whole run yeah and what the studies have shown all over the board whether it's an ideal number or not your cadence doesn't really change over the course of the run as you fatigue you still essentially keep up your same cadence your stride tends to shorten that's why you get slower um and so then there's people that try and overcompensate for this and they overstride at the end of the of a run and that'll lead to injury your stride's going to shorten your cadence is going to stay where it is you're going to slow down a little bit that's that's fine that's just how it happens as you get sore mm-hmm. but try to maintain a similar cadence throughout 
Right. And, you know, music really is, at least for me, one of the easiest ways to do this. So if you feel like you want to try the 180, that's what I would suggest is, is find a good playlist, find some 180 songs and go out and try it. And like Kevin said, like, you know, maybe just decide you're going to try it for one mile of your five mile run. You don't have to necessarily go out and try it for the entire time you know, on every single run. Right. You I mean, maybe you have your own running playlist that you like to tune into every once in a while. Stick a 180 song in there and say, I'm going to do it for this song. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it for these two songs in a row. And then I'm just going to go back and enjoy the rest of my playlist right. or a particular favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> and like I said before, you can expect some new soreness, right? Because when you're Whenever you're changing things, like your muscles are working a little bit differently. The forces are going through your body a little bit differently. And so you might find that you're a little bit sore in different areas and that's okay. Okay, so that wraps up our episode for today. Don't forget about our free five-day running challenge that we are starting next week. We start on September 21st. It's free. We're going to show you how to train your mind, body, and skills for running success to help you run faster, run longer, get stronger, and avoid injuries in the process. So to sign up for our free challenge, head over to 5dayrunningchallenge.com and sign up today. As always, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening and sharing this episode with your friends. This has been the Real Life Runners episode number 158. Now get out there and run your life.